Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm Keith. And we're here to talk to you about uh, one of the fine sponsors of Front Row Knowles, and that is the Dunlap Champions Club. They've been with us for the last couple of years. Uh, many of you may have sampled it for the first time during the spring game. Uh, if so, the news was good. They had the biggest crowd they've ever had in there, and uh, from the stories I heard, things went well. Feedback was uh, off the charts in terms of the uh, – it was a great day to be outside, a great day to be inside, all the food, all the drink, all the uh, t- uh, televisions. You, you couldn't miss the action because of all the glass. I mean, there were a number of people – that spent their first game at Doak Campbell Stadium at the Champions Club during that spring game, and uh, they'll be back, and you need to join them. 644-1830 is how you can get some more information or tickets. Uh, you can buy season tickets. Obviously a great home schedule this year. They've also got three-game packs this year, so you can uh, truly sample it uh, before you make the, the the five-year commitment, I guess, to buy the, buy the season tickets. But it, it's worth checking out. Uh, there's a lot of excitement about Florida State football for obvious reasons, and this is one of them very much so and remember with your champions club seats you get opportunity to be in the club on friday come back on sunday uh, you can make it a weekend visit to the weekend destination you'll enjoy it what he said now here's front row Knowles. broadcasting live from the prime meridian bank studios in the capital city of tallahassee this is front row Knowles with tom block and keith jones front row Knowles is brought to you by cornerstone tool and fastener online at ctf.nu now here's tom and keith Hello, everybody. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles. Tom and Keith reunited. KJ, good to see you. Good to see you. I'm glad to be back in my right-hand seat. I don't, I don't like that left-hand seat. The co-pilot chair. Uh, I'm in the co-pilot. It always feels like it's been much longer than it has been. It's only been two weeks since we were side-by-side. Side. Last week, I was on the road. And we are in what you could call the doldrums, I guess. Well, except you're finishing up the Bowden, the Bowden Tour. The Bowden Tour. The spring tour with Taggart. Check you're, your... getting, you're getting to do all the uh, all the good, fun things. It was fun. It was fun. I got to travel with uh, Coach Taggart last week. We were in Sarasota and Atlanta. We talked about it this week. We were in Naples and Miami and then my hometown, which is uh, Broward County, Fort Lauderdale area, where the spring tour of Seminole Boosters wrapped up last night. And I'll just echo what I said last week, and that is, and everybody knows this, but the enthusiasm, optimism, excitement, excitement, feeling, vibe, juice. Juice is a word that Coach Taggart uses. The juice has been good everywhere we've been. And it's sort of funny to go from place to place because you get the same questions. And last night it took until about three minutes till we were finished before somebody finally asked him about the offensive line. He said, oh, I thought I was going to get out of this one without having to talk about this. <laughs> but no, it's it's been good energy and... You know, I'd get to know. I got to know Coach Taggart a little bit better, obviously. But uh, it it was fun to do. I think he's glad they're over for now because all the coaches are about to start their vacations for a couple of weeks. Well, no, before no, that, they they've, ramp been, up. they've been recruiting and they've had camps. I mean, with the new recruiting rules, you could have people in the camps. I mean, it's been a very and they've very got a big recruiting time. camp. Uh, you know, sometime in July, right before fall camp. But this is they're about to enter their couple weeks of go see your family and reintroduce yourself before you get into fall. Hi, I'm Dad. Yeah, but it, it it's been fun and and it's also a continuation of the spring game. When we saw 300-plus players back, I think I mentioned this uh, last week, but Peter Warwick and Dexter Jackson, a lot of guys were up in Atlanta. Peter Warwick was in the Sarasota event. In Naples, Cam Wembley was there. I saw James Colsey in Miami the other night. James Colsey is the head football coach at, I believe it's St. Mary's University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Ooh. He handed me his card, and I said, well, look at that. It snows like 300 days a year up there, but, but I know I'm feeling old because most of the people in the room at that event in Miami didn't remember James Colsey having a diving interception as part of the choke at Doak in that big comeback. So, But anyway, the point being, a lot of former players are back. Snoop Minnis saw Snoop in Miami. Snoop's always uh, got a smile on his face. And Henry Crockett was there last night. So just a, a, cool. a, cool. a lot of guys reunited. Well, we waited for you to get out of town. So we could make an announcement about another program at Florida State. So well, that's your back. That really is the big news about Mike Martin. And we've pontificated about this a while. And in processing, first of all, I th- for those that are, you know, anti-Mike Martin, and there's plenty, as you know, we now have an end date. It's one more year. If you're on that side of the fence, suck it up, deal with it, whatever. From a recruiting standpoint, it's good. Now, there's still question of who the next coach will be, but I think it is good to know there's transition. If you're committing to Florida State, you know that you're going to have a new coach for your second and third years or whatever. From a 
farewell tour standpoint, I think it's great. It gives him a chance to not have the last decision of his career be the Drew Parrish decision. And we forget that even in the ACC, but certainly the other schools that Florida State will play, but everybody respects Florida State as a program and respects Mike Martin. Even though we have a, a cachet of naysayers, everybody else is a Mike Martin fan. And for him to have the opportunity to have that He gets one more tour. run, yeah. yeah. And then from the coaching search standpoint, I was processing this. The, the three biggest coaching searches at FSU in the last decade probably, or I guess 11 or 12 years now, but replacing Bobby Bowden, replacing Jimbo Fisher, and now replacing Mike Martin. I don't think I'm missing anybody there because the basketball coaches have been intact during that time frame. So you had the head coach in waiting situation with Jimbo replacing Bobby. And Florida State's about the only place that got the head coach in waiting, and it worked. Now, the end was not good with Jimbo, but it certainly worked in the transition period, even though... The first of the eight years was good. Yeah, and he won a national title, and he got Florida State back to relevance and got the infrastructure you know, back closer to where it needed to be. So that was a success. Now, there's no wins or losses yet as an FSU coach for Willie Taggart, but the exact opposite of the head coach in waiting where you're planning years in advance... Jimbo leaves abruptly, and now you got to go out and find a coach. And President Thrasher and Ed Burns, Stan Wilcox did that in four days and got the guy they wanted. Again, we'll see how that proves or how that bears out on the field, but every, everywhere has been a home run so far for, for Coach Taggart. And so now you have something that's kind of in between. You have a one-year announcement to anybody who's interested to get their ducks in a row, and from Florida State and Stan and everybody else, they can spend a year doing due diligence on everybody who's raised their hand. You're two-thirds of the way to the finish line. The first one is you know the end date for Coach Martin's tenure. Number two, and I was this might have been more important than knowing the end date of his tenure, they made the announcement they're going to do a national search. So anybody else that's out there that has any inkling and want to about Florida State can go ahead and start doing all the things they want to do, as you've mentioned, and have a year or 11 months, however long it'll be, for all those back uh, room conversations and backdoor communications to take place. The third part of the three steps is who do you hire? And by doing this up front, I'm of the opinion that still means that Mike Martin Jr. will be included in the conversation when they do the national search. He may not be the guy to get it. I personally would like to see him. I would not have I would not have had a problem if Dad had made this his last year and Florida State had named Meet as their head coach without a search. Doesn't bother me at all. I'm happy with that. But the way it's set up from the naysayers standpoint, I don't think you can knock what uh, uh, Thrasher and 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 Stan have put together in terms of what's going to happen in the next eleven or twelve months. And Mike Jr. or Mike Bell. I don't know if they would both apply, but they're both qualified to be head coaches no question. at the, the major college, the Power 5 level. And, of course, the paper, I would, had, the I paper would, had some other lists. Yeah, I wouldn't think it would be – I don't see any scenario where they'd hire somebody who's an assistant elsewhere. If you're going to hire an assistant, it would be Mike Jr. probably. And, again, Mike Bell would probably raise his hand and be interested too. Bell's coached in the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC. Uh, and he's a pretty steady, even keel. To me, Mike Bell, his highs aren't too high and his lows aren't too low. He's pretty steady. Um but then after that, so it is a national search, but even before you get national, you're going to have a Florida State family connection. And I'm not saying you have to do this, but there's going to be a really strong pool of guys with FSU ties. And the paper had some of them. Link Jarrett would be one, who you and I used to work with on yep. the broadcast side. He's done great things as a head coach. He's from Tallahassee. He played at Florida High when it was where the med school is now. He's been a head coach, knows the FSU way, went to Omaha three times as a player. He's going to be on that list. I, I guarantee you that he's somebody who will have interest. Doug Mankiewicz. To me, Doug Mankiewicz epitomizes the guy with the dirty baseball uniform who wants to take ground balls at first base after practice, before practice. He's, he's the three-star. He, he's the three-star that comes and starts and for he, three years and, and then plays a, in the majors for eight. And and won a gold medal for Tommy Lasorda in the Olympics with a walk-off grand slam. Got that World Series ball for the Red Sox. I mean, he's been all over the place, but he's been in minor leagues as a manager. Was almost the Twins manager at one point, so he's going to be interested. If Kevin Cash... If the Rays part ways with Kevin Cash, you've got a guy who played in the late 90s here, so he's uh, he's young. He's younger than both Link Jarrett and Doug Mankiewicz, and he could have interest here if he wanted to, to I go thought, there. I thought Rossi was a little bit of a stretch. I, I'm not sure that, that Ross would be – he'd be like a B, B pick 
those three would be an A pick. I think David, the, David Ross I'm speaking of. The question with Ross would be, he made a lot of money as a major league baseball player. Do you want to get on the circuit where you are having to recruit? And he's never been a coach. Right. Now, he's coached. As a as a position player, as an older catcher, you know that and type David of thing. Ro- David Ross, Knowles fans know he broke FSU's heart in '97, but he grew up an FSU fan. He didn't end up coming to FSU. He went to Auburn, transferred to Florida. But yeah, he's a guy. But then if you go, so there's going to be a good list of FSU guys, and that's I mean I, Pedro Grifol, Eduardo Perez. I don't know if those guys have interest too, but you can you can get a really long short list of guys connected to FSU. Then the question becomes, do you go outside of FSU? Is there, is there a superstar somewhere out there, a Billy Donovan type person that Florida was able to bring in on the basketball side? Well, is there I, one of those guys out there? And, and I just don't know. And Well, and here's one. So Tim Corbin is the coach at Vandy, and he's had great success there. He's won a title at Vandy. Tim Corbin was an assistant at Clemson with Kevin O'Sullivan, who's won a title at Florida. And if you look at what happened with Clemson, both those guys left and Clemson dipped. Jack Leggett lost his job, and Clemson has not been at the same level since. Now, would Tim Corbin want to come to a program with the baseball history like Florida State? Hasn't won a title, which he did at Vandy, but and I don't know what Vandy's support is for its baseball program. But the SEC truly is a meat grinder. We don't want to talk about it, but they're they're one to fourteen. They're tougher in baseball and about every sport than what the ACC is. So that would be a name there. But there'd be a lot of other guys. Brian O'Connor at one point, you know, he's won a title at Virginia. Virginia has expanded its stadium. They've got a good following there. I thought he was a young, up-and-coming guy, but now because he won a title, maybe he's not interested in moving around. I'll tell you what it does, though. If if you go that route and get a national guy, Florida State is going to have to pay more for its baseball coach than what it's paid previously because the price of poker has gone up in college well, you're, baseball. You're, you're looking at a million, million five a year. You're looking at a three, maybe even a five-year contract. And that's that's different than where Florida State has been. I don't know what Mike Martin Sr. is getting for his final year. I haven't seen that. I think he was in the 700 to 750 range for this past year. Um, and that's a guy 39 years in who's the winningest coach in college baseball history. Louisville's coach just got, you know, he flirted with Mississippi State. They gave him a new deal. I haven't seen terms, but he was already at seven figures, and he's been to the World Series maybe twice in his coaching career. So the price of poker's gone up. All that is things that will have to play out over the next year. Uh, you know, we'll get to enjoy the farewell tour. Those things don't always work out to the best. It, it may get old, but he's going to get the 2,000 wins, and he'll get one more run to, to take his team to Omaha. And, and, and I like it. I like it as well. All right, are we done with that one? That one. Okay. We are just getting warmed up, however. Our Seminolist.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, will join us in just a bit. We'll have a special guest for you coming up momentarily. I will remind you that uh, tomorrow is Thursday. Don't forget about the $5 uh, old school squares they have at Centrale. That's a 12-inch by 12-inch pie for 5 bucks. Can't beat it. Pretty good pizza. Dueling Pianos is uh, back at Township this Saturday. I think it's the only time this summer it will be at Township. Uh, So don't forget about that. And I don't have the date in front of me, but they have lined up a cardiologist dream. They have a French fry festival on tap for sometime in July down at Madison Social. I literally think it's like 92 different kinds of French fries. (laughs) 92 different ways to clog your arteries. So we are just, uh, this show is not one of them, however. If you just listen to it, you're fine. Especially if you're on the treadmill while you do so. We'll thin your blood. We'll come back more front runnels in a moment. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Championship month continues. The softball Seminoles still basking in the glow of that national title. And we're really pleased as we open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline to say hello to one of the stars of that team and of the performance in Oklahoma City. We had Jesse Warren on, I guess it was right before the ACC tournament. And now Megan King joins us. Megan, of course, the the star pitcher for Florida State uh, who really shine in Oklahoma City. Megan, has it, has it uh, I guess it's sunk in, but uh, has the, the celebration and the good feeling faded at all, or are you still on cloud nine here? Um, I, I'm on cloud nine, obviously. I mean, just the support that we've gotten, uh, they really keep the win alive. Uh, honestly, the entire FSU family 
Um, but I'm ready. I am started my training uh, this week, actually. I've gone on a few runs, and I start um, kind of getting back in the gym next week because I do have to play for Puerto Rico um, around starting the beginning of July. So although it's sunk up and I'm excited, um, I'm excited to get after it uh, this summer. Well, I want to, well, since you mentioned Puerto Rico, we'll start there and then we'll go back to the World Series. But you play for okay. the Puerto Rican national team, I guess. And I think some of your teammates do as well. I don't know if you uh, are qualified yet for the Olympics or if that's what you're doing this summer. So just kind of inform our audience on, on where you guys are in the process there. Yeah. Um, so they brought back the Olympics in 2020. Um, so this summer, which is since they didn't have the Olympics, um, every two years they were competing for a women's world championship and then the other the in-between year is a junior world championship so it's kind of like the same thing almost but you have a bunch of countries who uh kind of qualified um for worlds and so this year we have the women's world um championships which is in chiba japan so we're all kind of training for that right now um we have the usa cup coming up in irvine california and then the central american games in columbia and then we fly out to Japan. So um, that's kind of what we're doing this summer. And then next summer is the qualifications for the Olympics and also the Pan American Games. And then 2020 would be if we qualified for the Olympics in 2019. Well, Megan, we'll keep our eyes on that. But look, I want to go back to Oklahoma City. Uh, and and I want to ask you about your thought process. So you pitch on Monday night and Florida yes. State wins. By theory, by the book, I think Lonnie even said she spent a lot of time thinking about it. You're going to go to another pitcher on Tuesday. But then she comes yeah. right back with you. When did, when did you know you were pitching on Tuesday, and what was that conversation like? Um, I actually didn't know uh, until the lineup came out. Um, I mean, our pitching staff has worked all year. Uh, everyone was qualified. Kylie would have just been just – I believe that she would have been done just as great as a job – as our defense did that game as well. Um, but, yeah, I kind of found out about it the morning of. Um, I did a lot of recovery the night before. I mean, I think that our team, strength coach, athletic trainers, just put us in a great position to be fully recovered um, for that Tuesday game. Um, and either way, we would have been in a great spot. Um, I was excited to get the, get the start. I love to compete, especially for a national championship. I mean, I've been dreaming of that. I mean, that's what I've worked for my entire life. Um, so I was excited to get to start, but um, I I mean, Kylie is just as qualified, and I think she would have done just as great of a job. Well, I'm of the opinion, and of course my opinion counts. Mine's the only opinion. <laughs> but I'm of the opinion that what turned everything in Florida State's favor is the teamwork that you and your infield had to demonstrate to get your mask put back together. <laughs> yes. Wow. That was quality. I don't even know. Of course that would happen. It's just it, – the things that would ha the things that happened over the course of the season are just kind of laugh out loud moments, and that was one of them. I mean, we're on national television, so excited to like actually play, and then yeah, my math malfunction was a definitely a little bump in the road. But um, obviously, my teammates uh, displayed great teamwork when that happened. You know, but yeah, that was funny. <laughs> I, well, another moment, and, and credit to you, I thought it was nice of you to just stay out of the way and let Jesse Warren lay out completely horizontal to make that catch in front of you. I mean, you probably could have done it routinely. But no, seriously, I, you know, <laughs> did, did you have any inkling that she could, could actually get there to make that catch? Um, I mean, Jesse Warren makes those kind of plays. That's just the type of player she is. I mean, she is just an absolute phenom when it comes to um, an infielder. And I knew she's, she's made a few of those plays um, throughout the course of my career. I mean, she's been behind me every single game I've thrown. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's just classic Jesse. I know it was so cool for her to finally get recognition for those kind of plays. But, I mean, that's just the type of player she is. Um, I don't know if you saw the slow-mo, but I had the eye of the tiger. And I was going to lay out for that ball, but, I mean, I knew that she had my back the whole time. Well, she she was the senior, and you were the underclassman, so you just had to defer and let her yeah, get her Yeah, I had to have let her have her moment. Because, you know, as good as you are, you could have made the catch, but you probably were not able to make the throw, so that that's oh, why she did it. <laughs> let me ask you this. Absolutely not. You know, as you know, you, you captivated, uh, well, certainly Florida State Nation, but I, I think a lot of people that – uh, maybe you're just casual fans or, or weren't followers of Washington. I think they were pulling for Florida State, too, because you guys had so much fun uh, the way you play. But for those who don't yeah. know, don't understand softball all that much, 
there was a little bit of cat and mouse with, I don't know if the term is quick pitching, but I mean, you were going in a hurry and it seemed to be frustrating the opponent a little bit. So what is the rule on that? And could you sense that you were getting under the skin of, of Washington a little bit? Um, you know, that's not on purpose. Um, my whole life, I've just been a quick pitcher. I just like to work fast. Um, luckily, when I came to Florida State, um, our head coach, Coach, kind of helped me out in the terms of making that working fast routine work for me so that if things did kind of catch up or the game kind of got fast, I'd be able to slow myself down without, you know, speeding up too much. So I've kind of kind of nailed my routine over the last few years of working fast um, just for me personally, because that's just how I like to do things. I'm just always working fast on everything I do. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of working fast but not letting the game get too big. And when those big moments do happen, I can slow myself down a little bit. So, I mean, yes, it throws hitters' routine off in that sense, but I think that that's just kind of my routine when it comes to, you know, pitching. Megan, now that you're back in international play, uh, for the, for our listeners that don't know, and I will I will not be able to explain this well, but the delivery on the American side is different than you can deliver on the international side. There's a little bit of a jump that's involved on the international side. Will you go back to that form, or will you stay on what I'm classifying or calling the American way of doing it? Um, I'd 100% say uh, the American way. Um, I mean, it's it's crazy because you have to kind of keep that same routine and kind of keep what you're doing because I still do have a year left of school. And those kind of habits are really hard to break when it comes to um, the pitching side of mechanics. So I like to keep as much of the same routine and same kind of functioning mental mentality when I'm pitching um, international. So it's, it's a nice, easy transition when I come back to uh, school in the fall. We're talking with Megan King from the Florida State softball team. I, I cut you off uh, a little earlier you, because I mentioned that you guys have so much fun, and I know you wanted to weigh in on that. Uh, so I'll let you do that now because it, it, it was contagious, and it, it's also a bit curious because generally when we watch sports, we're not used to seeing people smile if they just struck out or they committed an error. But uh, So kind of walk us through the psychology or that dynamic because it is a little bit different. Yeah, um, I mean – Softball is so fun, and you grow up playing the game your entire life. And um, when it comes to a college sport, I mean, a college sport is a job. Um, it's a day-in and day-out grind. Um, it's kind of like almost a pro- professional sport, but you have your schoolwork on top of it. But um, it's a grind. And, I mean, you can – luckily, we have one of the best coaching staff in the nation who make it fun. They enjoy playing games. They enjoy the competitive aspect of it. So when you do have those errors in a game – you're not taking the game too seriously where you start making more errors. They always call it like kind of limiting the bleeding or stopping the bleeding. So when you do have an error, it's like, hey, left off, like you're better than this. Like you put in the work, you know, in the off season, in the regular season to prepare for those big moments. So we don't like to take the game too seriously. And I'm, I'm glad that um, we have such a great coaching staff to kind of make that one of our values is just kind of have fun and just, kind of enjoy and play for people to your left and your right. And um, I was really glad that that was kind of put on a national stage because it did show, and I had a lot of kind of outreach from friends and family of who didn't watch softball before that was like, hey, you know, like, that was fun to watch. Like, I'm kind of like looking forward to next season, and that's kind of cool because it's all going back to kind of like the growing the game atmosphere. Megan, you guys had, I think, one day off. Uh, you, you chose to play elimination games, I think, six in a row if you go all the way back to the, <laughs> to the yeah. regional. Uh, oh, classic, yeah, classic. Yeah, but you had one day off, I recall, and you mentioned earlier about your, your athletic uh, training staff. Uh, you, you ladies went somewhere and did, I'm going to call it hydrotherapy or some type of thing. Tell our listeners real quick about, you, you mentioned how, how you got to come back day after day after day. Uh, you did something a little unusual when you were out in Oklahoma City. Uh, yeah, we just tried that out. Um, I mean, our coaches are always looking for the best scenarios, kind of just to get us the most recovered. So we tried it out, and then we ended up going back to it just because we felt good. But um, when you really stick to the basic um, recovery stand- kind of standpoint as everyone else, the Norma Tech machines or the stem, or get kind of like a rub down or something. But, um, yeah, we just kind of stick to the basic stuff. We tried something new, and that was really cool, and we got a little bit of relaxation in and comes to that. But... Yeah, I mean, we just wanted to, and I, I know we always joke around, and our coach says we want to be the most tired, best team in Oklahoma City. So we want to be kind of like the most efficiently tired team because, you know, it is a long season, and 
So we're always trying to push ourselves in the fall, just like every other school out there, and just kind of get ourselves in the best position um, at the end of the day. How uh, how special? Talk about uh, uh, the reaction when you pull up uh, in Tallahassee and you look out the plane window. Oh, I mean, that was a moment that I'll never forget. I mean, they kind of made it so real for us. And you just look, look out the plane window, and no one expected that. I mean, I maybe expected a few of our staff members to be kind of in the airport um, when we walked off the plane. Um, but, I mean, that was just absolutely insane. And they let us actually go off the bus and kind of, like, sign autographs and take pictures and talk to the community. And, I mean, it was incredible, just the kind of support that, that we got throughout SSU, throughout Tallahassee. It was just absolutely just monumental. And I'm just so lucky to be a part of this university because they made it real for us. And we did a lighting of the torch ceremony kind of um, – like ceremonial um on that next friday and i mean more people in the community came out and celebrated and it was just so awesome for um just the softball program to get some recognition i mean it was just incredible final question for you and we're talking with megan king from the softball team you mentioned the Puerto Rican uh, national team experience. I'm not sure uh, if you have family in Puerto Rico, uh, but at this point, but obviously Puerto Rico was devastated last year. And uh, can you just kind of update us? And I hate to phrase it this way, but that really hit close to home for you, literally. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was just absolutely devastating. Um, homes were destroyed. We had pictures of our teammates sending us field, pictures of the fields and complexes over there. I mean, they were just absolutely just destroyed. I mean, it was just heartbreaking. Um, luckily, we have, we have like, a kind of a group message going, and as soon as they got signal, they were able to um, tell us that they were okay and make sure everyone was, um, you know, basically alive at that point because there was just so many devastating effects um, on the country. And um, I think it's getting better. It's still not, obviously, back to even close to 100%, but um, games are starting to be played there. Um, I mean... Most of the electricity is on, but um, and water and everything. I mean, it's just terrible. And honestly, like one of our main goals at Puerto Rico this summer is just to play our as hard as we can with as much fire and just kind of grind out a summer for um, the country of Puerto Rico to be proud of us and just kind of give them a sense of hope. And I think that's just one of our main goals this summer um, is just to kind of bring some light into their life and. Luckily, sports can do that, and we just plan on just giving it everything we have. Well, you certainly brought a light into Florida State fans' lives, and uh, congratulations again. Good luck this summer, and uh, the best news Thank for FSU so folks is we'll we'll see you uh, in the circle next year for uh, for Coach Thank Alameda. Thank you. Yes, so excited. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thanks, Megan. You bet. That is uh, Megan King, who uh, part of that team that really captivated the country with their with their national championship run. All right, we'll step aside. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld is patiently uh, in that on deck circle, so we'll uh, we'll get him into the batter's box right after this. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. We are back and back to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together. We say hello to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Tim, how are you, sir? I'm great, Tom. How are you? Good. Good summer so far? A hot summer so far. I mean... You know, I've lived here for a long time, and, and it's the same thing every year. And yet, somehow, I'm still surprised when I walk outside at like 8:30 and it's 95 degrees outside. Gentlemen, it's still spring. Today's the last day of spring. Come on. No, now. you're right. You're right about that. Yeah. Well, it's I called. Makes it, it's, makes it worse. It's called getting older, Tim. You know, that's, that's what it is. I hate to boil it down to that for you. All right. So the big news this week was the news about uh, Mike Martin. Uh, and I didn't get a chance to read what uh, you opined or, or uh, wrote on Seminoles.com, but uh, fill us in on, on your take. Uh, I just think it's the, it's, it's the best possible solution, I think, for everybody involved, right? Um, and, you know, it, it, for those of us who were here and, you know, going on 10 years ago and more than that uh, with the end of the Bobby Bowden era, you know, you saw just how difficult that was for everybody, you know, and, and how hard it is. 
to uh, to say goodbye to somebody who has meant so much to the program and the university. Um, and it's made even harder when there's uncertainty, uh, when there's speculation, all those types of things. And so to, to have that you know, fall by the wayside now and say, okay, this is what the plan is, everybody's on board, and this is what we're doing, uh, I think it's a really good thing. Uh, you know, Mike Martin gets one more year at the helm. Um, you know, I know we've always kind of said that, that he probably wouldn't be in for a, you know, a quote-unquote victory lap, but, you know, I, I'm actually, you know, me personally, I'm, I'm glad he gets it. I think he deserves that. Uh, and more than that, he gets another chance to, to make a run toward Omaha and, uh, and, and give her another go. And then for Florida State, you know, in the athletics department, you can now say, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what our legendary head coach has decided to do, and, and we can plan accordingly. And so yeah, I think you just remove a lot of the, the potential sticky situations uh, by getting everybody on board with this. Tim, I think also, and, and Tom and I talked about this in our first segment, it was very important that in, in, uh, in addition to that announcement, the reference made to a national search. And, and the reason being, uh, and Tom brought this point up, when, when Coach Fisher left, quote, unquote, abruptly, then uh, the powers that be had four days, basically, to go out and find a new coach, and, and they settled upon one that we're all very happy with. Doing it this way gives Florida State a lot of time, 11 months, let's say, to uh, listen to those back channels, to put feelers out for others that are outside, maybe the thought process to inquire in. And FSU might genuinely have the large national pool uh, that they, they have the luxury to pick from because of the way it worked out. No, I exactly right. And I think that's another benefit. And you know, look, uh, we all know. Uh, I think I think we're on agreement that uh, there's at least at least one, maybe two, uh, internal candidates that are going to be very strongly considered, and they deserve that as well. But if you you know if you're Florida State uh, and you have the baseball tradition and history and, and everything that, that you have here, um, I think you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your program and, and your fans and everybody to at least see what kind of interest you get. I mean, there's no harm in in, in meeting with uh, with different different candidates and, and seeing. Seeing what's out there, I, you know, I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't do that. And then, you know, whoever is the best man for the job uh, will, will be the person you get. And, and the great thing, like you said, Keith, is that there's, I mean, there's, there's going to be pressure to, to hire the guy that replaces Mike Martin, obviously. But, but you're at least in the best situation possible. You know, you're, you're not like you said, scrambling, just trying to make a hire in, in a couple of days or a couple of weeks. You have time to see what's out there, survey the landscape, and, and make a decision you feel good about. And I'm sure you mentioned the internal candidates. I'm sure that Mike Martin Jr. will be seriously considered, and obviously he'll have his hat in the ring. Corey Clark raised an interesting uh, point, though, and I hadn't processed this. I mean, I've heard from from me directly that he got passed over for some head coaching jobs in the last eight or ten years because they just looked at him and said, well, you're just waiting to take over for your old man there. And specifically, it was Wake Forest and South Alabama. But Corey raised the point, well, if he doesn't get the job here, then he's back to other schools saying, well, your own school wouldn't even hire you. Why are we going to hire you? And, uh, you know, obviously Florida State's going to do what it feels is be- its best. But I guess the point I'm making is Mike Jr., if he doesn't get the job, he may not be able to get as high profile a job and he'll have to take the so-called stepping stone job anyway to then ultimately prove himself. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that could be. That could be. It's um I, I don't know. I don't know if necessarily have anything to further that. I mean, yeah, that is that is part of it. And, um, you know, you certainly hope that, that whatever the case may be, it works out for him. Um, and I guess we're just going to kind of have to wait and see. Why does he have to leave if he doesn't want to? Well, you don't necessarily have to, but you just don't know, you know, when you bring in um, a new head coach, a new staff, I mean, there's no guarantees for what they're going to want to do or, or not do. That's that way, you know, with uh, any sports. I did see as a side note, to that point yeah a new coach is going to bring in his own staff now if it's a florida state guy like link jarrett maybe he's still or doug mankavich who knows uh you know if it was doug mankavich who's a great baseball mind but hasn't been a college coach you would want to have somebody on that staff that's been a college coach and knows how to manage recruiting and all that what i was going to say is the sec floated a proposal to to, to move that volunteer assistant into a third full-time assistant of course the sec just doesn't know what to do with its television revenue let's just add coaches everywhere we'll build bigger scoreboard i mean it's a good problem to have but do you think that's going to gain merit or do you think there's enough uh people that don't have those deep pockets that will shoot that down tim oh gosh uh i don't know that's something i haven't really thought too much about um you know in general i think the the, the wave of college athletics and and so being driven by the sec is it pushes towards more rather than less so uh, my, I guess you know, my leaning would be that that would happen eventually. Yeah, I guess my thought would be if you're going to free up an extra however much 
that is. How about just adding scholarships instead, since we're still well, at a partial... <laughs> There's an idea too, right? Yeah, since we're still at a partial scholarship sport. I don't know. Anything else? On, well, a, a very sad note, and I, I don't know his name, but I did, I did see the news that uh, a, a Florida State signee uh, and his dad passed away in a, in a car accident last weekend, which is just a completely tragic situation, obviously. Um, I, I don't know if you have anything to add there uh, as it rolls up, but... Um, that's just devastating news. No, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything to say other than, you know, what everybody else is. It's just, I mean, you know, if you think about it for long enough, I mean, it, 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 it really kind of just hits you in the gut when you think of, I mean, I don't know, all the, the, the you know, the, the potential and just the, the youth. And, you know, you get to the idea of, you know, you start thinking about things like you'd have your whole, um, you know, have your whole life in front of you and, and all the things that, that you were, you were planning on doing. And, and now to think that it's not going to happen, um, that's, that's a tough one to follow, man. It really is. All right, Tim. So I, I just came off the, the Seminole Booster Tour with uh, Coach Taggart, and you were there for some of the stops. And I mentioned we were in Miami on Monday that uh, that was 11 weeks from Labor Day Monday against Virginia Tech. So what are we going to talk about for the next – well, I guess it's really only about seven weeks because we'll have plenty to talk about in August. You got any suggestions? Oh, boy. Uh well, I don't know. Are you into the World Cup? That's going on. Uh, yeah, who do you like? Who do you like? You're a soccer guy. What you got there? And, and is there? A, have you found a Florida State connection yet to the World Cup? Well, yeah, you know, Dana Castellanos is there. She's a, as a FIFA ambassador. Uh, she, she's there and, and providing some uh, some digital media content for FIFA and, and some stuff for us. So I think that's a pretty strong connection. But uh, but as for uh, for on the field, no. You know, I, I kind of like Belgium. I don't know. I'm kind of bullish on Belgium. Uh, they uh, they have a lot of really good players and, and they're kind of flying under the radar a little I, bit. I was so, unaware uh, that the big bad giant was involved. The fee five faux foam is that what you're saying? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Our next segment is going to be Keith opining about the World Cup. It'll just be dead air for 11 minutes. Um, um, I guess Max Max Bredos, who I don't know, but is an FSU uh, alum alumnus. Uh, he weighs in. He's a big soccer guy, obviously. So there's another FSU. Well, we got the U.S. Open. We can talk about that. We probably should talk about Brooks Kepka. Uh, you know, Trey Jones, it feels like at some point is going to join the list of FSU coaches who've won a national title. But to have a guy that now has won the U.S. Open in back-to-back years, uh, that's a pretty nice feather in his cap and can't hurt on the recruiting trail. No, no, I wouldn't think so. I, you know, it's not, I mean, Brooks Kepka obviously deserves, uh, you know, all the headlines and the praise and adulation, but, but to have two former Seminoles at the top of the leaderboard like that headed in the final day with uh, with Brooks and Daniel Berger, I mean, yeah, that's a uh, that's pretty awesome. I mean, look, that that program has been you know among the nation's elite for really a long time now. I think we all kind of, you know, maybe maybe you're surprised that that it, it, they're having so much success on the professional level. Maybe it's just you know we don't think of college golf programs being pipelines to the pros the way we do, like maybe in you know football or basketball or what have you. Um, but I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you know, those guys were playing on, on some of the best Florida State teams, Florida State golf teams that, that they've had in recent memory, and now, uh, you know, they're 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 making uh, they're having lots of success in the pros. So I mean, maybe we should have seen this coming. Well, let's don't forget the old guys who was sitting up in the tower. Uh, that's right. That's right. Paul Azinger. Yep. And although uh, the coverage for Fox was horrible, did everybody agree with that? Yeah, it was a little dicey. I'm going to go with horrible. There's no FSU angle to this at all. Were you uh, on a rant about Phil's decision uh, over the weekend, or were you okay and just kind of chuckling? I, uh, I, 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 sorry to cut you off, Tim. I kind of chuckled. I mean, Phil knows the rules. There, you know, he he can say that he doesn't or does. He knows the rules. I thought it was hilarious. I don't know why everybody got so upset about it. If if we'd have done it on a Sunday at, at Killarne or Southwood or or, or Capital City, well, I think it's just been laughing about it. It comes down to, you know, the serious golfers will tell you that the rules and the etiquette is the number one part of the game. But, Tim, we didn't let you weigh in on it. Oh, no. I mean, you know, I, I thought it was, was funny. Uh, I mean, it probably shouldn't have done it, but uh, some of the – the outrage and the weeping and gnashing of teeth that come from some of the golf media afterwards sort of made me roll my eyes too. Like it was a stupid thing to do. Uh, I mean, I guess you could disqualify him if you really, really want to, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think we're all going to survive. All right. Well, we've talked world cup, talked us open director's cup M- NBA. Have you done the calculation on the director's cup yet? <laughs> Man, I'm not a big math guy. Did you, uh, have you seen, have you, have you talked about the, uh, the, the men's basketball opener? We, we have not yet. I was going to save that till next segment, but you are Seminoles.com insider. So go ahead and break the news for those that well, uh, have the, not heard. The, the news breaking is that the Florida state men's basketball team fresh off 
a run to the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament, if you recall, will begin its 2018-19 campaign at home against the University of Florida on November the 6th. Pretty cool thing to do, right? Well, it's certainly, compared to what a lot of the openers typically are, that will add a lot of... uh, a lot of buzz to it leading in. There's already going to be great excitement about this team as it is. So when you put a marquee game first, that there'd definitely be a lot more anticipation for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. And and you know, you talk about that, and you're you know the idea. This is probably going to be a, a you know a pretty anticipated season given uh, given everything uh, from last year. Yeah, it's, it's a great way to start things off and uh, and generate some buzz. All right, Tim, we're done. Unless we're you want, okay. unless, unless you want to uh, other breaking news we're not aware of analyze the NBA draft for tomorrow night or something. Is there anything else you want to add? I uh, I think that's all I got. All right, he is our Seminoles dot com insider Tim Linnefelt. Thank you, Tim. You got it, guys. Oh, hey, by the way, take ne- take next well, not next week, two weeks. We're giving you the Fourth of July off. Just a little advance notice for you. Wow, appreciate it, guys. Thank you. It's the least we could do. Right. That means uh, do we have to pay him holiday pay? Do we have to pay him? <laughs> <laughs> One and a half times zero is what? Last I checked. Yeah. All right. We'll come back, wrap this show up right after this. Stay with us. Yeah, running down the dream. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles. Let's finish that basketball conversation for a little bit, Keith, because the one thing, unlike the FSU Florida football game, which save for i think a couple years i don't know it was in the dave hart era when we actually played it the saturday before thanksgiving basically for the last 30 years or so we always know the saturday after thanksgiving fsu's either going to gainesville or the gators are coming here the basketball game on the other hand just moves all over i mean it 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 feels you know there was a time it was the friday night before the football game last year it was on a monday in gainesville now we're going to have it on a tuesday in tallahassee which is election day this year What's your thoughts on on sort of how that oscillates? Uh, I mean, I guess it's always well. And there was a milk challenge back in the day when it used to be in Orlando. I, I think in a perfect world, in a perfect world, a game of that magnitude. I mean, that's the the, the arguably the second biggest sport for both universities. Uh, you would want it fixed. You know, you know you're going to play it. You know, the first Tuesday of whatever, or the Friday before the football game, or the when, whenever it is. You'd want to know when that is. And so to the degree that it's moved around, uh, I would say that that's not good. However, I'm I'm also, you know, I'm the curmudgeon. I'm the old school. I, I kind of grew up with this thing being played the Friday night before the football game. So if Florida State was playing in Gainesville on Saturday, then the ball game was at the O'Connell Center Friday night. And if Florida was traveling to Doak, then we were in uh, the Tucker Center on Friday night prior. To the point that when we were doing the the Sun Sport games, we we would we would televise the the ball right. game, and then we'd go into an hour hour and a half football pregame show at ten thirty eleven o'clock at night, right outside on the concourse or right on the floor, and start hyping the football game and and make it a, a, a 24, 28, 30 hour window of of FSU versus uh, Florida, uh, both on the hardwood and and on on the on the football field. I would like to see that come back. Now, I was told I've not visited with Leonard. I don't know Coach Donovan's position. I don't know Coach White's position, the, the coaches at Florida, uh, Florida. I was told that the basketball powers that be felt like that playing it the night before took away somehow from the basketball game. I never viewed it that way. I thought it always added to the rivalry. And that's where I would like to see it. I'm very happy with it being this early in the year. Uh, you know, I'm a big proponent of the early games because it keeps your team focused. In this case, during spring and your summer workouts, you know you're not playing, you know, a, a, a smaller school or a school that you're favored to win by 30 games like you sometimes start uh, basketball season with. So in that regard, I like it. Uh, it'll be it'll be nicely attended. Uh, but I, I personally – would would prefer to see it go back to being played the night before the football game 
recognizing that's old school and just me. Well, where one stands on an issue is always based on on where you sit, right? So if you're coming at it from a fan's point of view, who's going to be at the game, who wants to go to the football game, I'd agree with you that Friday night's the best time. If you're coming at it from a TV ratings or a national exposure standpoint, Friday night's a terrible night in general and over Thanksgiving weekend, an even worse idea because you're not going to have anybody nationally that's going to tune into that game. There's no question. And then you have the team standpoint and... Stan, if you're listening, I promised you we'd have you on this summer, and we will find you this summer and get you and on. we'll talk about it. But Stan pieces together the schedule. And from a team standpoint, you, you're going to look at your games. Now, he's not going to tell us who they are, but we can surmise. But you're going to have your tougher teams and your not-as-tough teams, and you want to space them out accordingly so that the team can recover and all that kind of thing goes into play when they piece it together. I will point out that this year, and the full schedule is not out, uh, we know when Florida State plays the Gators at home, which is opening night, we know they play Purdue in the in the Big Ten Challenge, I guess. We know the ACC teams that will be home and the ones that will be away. We just don't know the specific dates and times yet. As it relates to Thanksgiving, though, Florida State is playing in a tournament uh, at Disney this year, which they played in several years ago, and you and I went down and, and did those games. But that is a really strong field, including the defending national champs are in there as the one seed. Well, I don't know if it's been seeded yet. They'll be the top seed, and Florida State will be the two seed probably. And you're talking about Villanova and FSU. LSU's in that tournament. It's a strong field. Very strong. But separate that, that's over Thanksgiving, and so there was no way that Florida State and Florida could play. That couldn't even have been part of the discussion. And that is when a lot of the tournaments are now. And so that probably has taken... Uh, and I concede that. I, I will tell you that part of the reason yeah. why that Friday night, and again, I'm going back 20 and 25 years, but part of the reason that Friday night is not as available is because of those tournaments. And so I get all that, but my personal opinion, and then I'll shut up. Let's continue this discussion, not so much with Florida, but basketball non-conference in general. But first, if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. They'll take care of all your power tool needs. They are at 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. So you got two locations depending on your locale. Choose the closest, I guess, unless you just want a nice drive. Check but, them uh, out online. 580-1200 or uh, ctf.nu is where they are online. Here's what I was going to say. Back to your point of so the Florida game is going to draw a crowd at the Tucker Center, whether you play it Tuesday, Monday, before a football game or not. Uh, there's some games now. I hope this isn't the case because Florida State over the last two years. I mean, two years ago they didn't lose a game at home. Last year, where they lose one or two. So I mean, it's combined. I think it's the best record in the ACC at home the last two years. Out of thirty, I believe something like that. Don't quote me. So, but close and, to and it. with an Elite Eight performance and a lot of guys returning, hopefully there's a lot of season tickets sold and a great crowd whenever you play games. But when you're playing, and I don't know who the rest of the non-conference is, Nickel State or nondescript team that you're going to beat by 30, could that be on a Friday night of a home football weekend so that fans who are coming in, so that you can get a little bit of folks that don't normally see that game as compared to playing that the night before on Thursday? or on, And again, this goes back to basketball's got to match it up, so they've got games every three days and they got a lot of other things so I'm, I'm i'm suggesting this in a vacuum well, the other the other part that that says it and again I, this appears that i'm talking against myself but but friday night college basketball before january is just not really an option for television because you've got friday night football games that all the channels and then we get into that that encroaches upon the high school's time frames well yeah it does right <laughs> pardon me so Friday night before January, probably just not a night anymore for college basketball, period, yeah. the end. I, I wish that we would could set TV times or kick times for football further out from than the first three weeks. Because if you knew right now that Florida State on October 21st or whatever was a definite night, whenever the Clemson game is, you could schedule a non-conference game at noon that day, if you wanted to, to try and, and, and get your product out to more of the Florida State fans. I know that's not the primary objective. I'm just throwing it out there. Bottom line is, uh, if you keep winning and go to the Elite Eight, people are going to show you up. You don't have to bring the product to the fans. The fans will come to you. you people will show up. And, and I, I'm telling you, this 18-19 uh, this squad is going to be fun to watch. I'm going to go out on the limb and tell you they're going to be successful. Um, I mean, I, what Leonard and Stan and, and Dennis and Coach CY have put together – um, some would argue it's taken a while and there was that little dip, uh, you know, three or four year period. But, uh, I think Florida state basketball is right back at least where it was and maybe a little better. 
obviously the women's program. I saw Coach Sue yesterday, and uh, you know what they've been able to accomplish uh, is just remarkable. I mean, when it comes to the round ball in Tallahassee, uh, we're as in good a spot as we've ever been on both sides of the aisle, and uh, it's exciting, very exciting. As we wrap up, we'll go back to where we started, and uh, obviously, if you're listening to this show, you know this news, but Mike Martin's coming back for one more year. The the victory lap, I don't know who's on the schedule next year. Uh, obviously, the schedule won't come out to the to the fall. I don't know. Uh, you know, Maybe 11 will put one more of those Hawaii trips in for his swan song or whatnot, but I, you know, I think it's the best case scenario for all the reasons we pointed out earlier. He gets his due. He'll get 2,000 wins. FSU gets to survey the field anybody in that field can survey florida state and figure out if they're interested and want to put dip their toe in the waters mike jr is the one guy who's not going to be happy about it because you know it wasn't he wasn't named but he will be i i don't think that means that mike jr can't get the job i don't either i do not either i i think mike jr will end up on the short list on that when when they go through that process you and i are, are very very biased you 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 called games consistently for seven years you and i've called games on the television side for 20 the show's called front row Knowles. i think people know yep uh i was in school when mike martin became the head coach um uh, 40 years ago 39 however that mathematically works out uh he has been the best i, I put him right up there with coach bowd in terms of being an ambassador he's got one thing that coach bowd doesn't have and that is he played here He's a product of this university, as well as being, will end up being a 40-year head coach. Um, we're biased, and, and we love him and, and want only what's best for him. Uh, and I'm excited to have another year to watch uh, 11 uh, stroll out to the mound on, on two good knees now, two good knees now. A final thought as we wrap up. This fall will be Gene Deckerhoff's 40th season calling FSU football, and next spring will be Mike Martin's. 40th year as FSU head coach so we'll get athletics marketing on that and see what they come up with well again tell you how old I am I, I played in the first game that Deckerhoff ever did <laughs> and I've now done more games with Deckerhoff than any other partner he's ever had I don't know if that's good or bad but uh that's how old I am and we know it you just thank you very much thank, thank you very much we'll talk to you next week on front row Knowles. Yeah.